0: And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Inside the Hive. I am your host, Nick Bilton, and I'm about to give you some real anxiety. Are you ready? Are you ready for the sound? Listen to this. So you're probably freaking out as my phone is making all these noise and wondering if it's your phone that's making all these noise and thinking to yourself, oh, my God, it's a text message. It's a DM. It's a it's a God knows what. And that is because we live in a world where our devices have complete and utter control over us. They interrupt us at dinner with our family, with our friends, Everywhere with emails, with text messages, with DMs. It's just constant. And we, as people, don't want it anymore. We're kind of fed up with it. We're sick of all of these things that are just kind of knocking on our door and annoying the hell out of us. So, my guest today has gone through the same thing, but has actually come out of the other side with a solution. He is Ryan Holiday. He's the author of several books, and I'm very excited to welcome him back to the show. He came on about a year and a half ago uh, when he had another book out about the the media wars between Peter Thiel and Gawker, and his latest book is called Stillness is the Key, and it's about how to win in the battle against tech uh, and the importance of stillness in our lives and leaving our devices behind and turning things off and you know, essentially just how to win this war. So I'm very excited to welcome him to the show. So you, you've written a number of books. How how many books is it now? I think I, I've been saying 10. I haven't totally counted. I think it's between nine and 10. Okay. So the fact that you can't count is, is almost like, I think I have eight kids. It could yes. be, it could be seven. Yeah. We lost one in a... Uh, at Disneyland, and may may have gotten him back. But um, all right. So the thing that I find so fascinating about your books and the projects you've worked on is they're, they're they're like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And this one uh, actually could not have arrived in my mailbox at a better time. Ooh. Because uh, well, let's just the, the book is called Stillness Is the Key. Um, I, so I've been I've been having a little bit of an existential crisis that I'm hoping you can walk me through, okay. and help me out with. I work too much yeah me too uh and i don't and everyone's like you need to you need to meditate and you need to like stop and take a minute and 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 be one with the universe and i'm like but i i have this deadline and that deadline and this deadline and whatever so i'm i i want to first understand how you got to doing this book and then i want you to help me yeah okay So uh, my
1: books are all over the place. This one uh, is sort of the third in a trilogy. I did Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and then this one. And they're all sort of philosophically driven books illustrated with historical stories about themes that I think are very important to where we are today. And so stillness is this I don't think you're the only one that's like, I work too hard and things are too busy. You know, stillness is, I think, a thing we all know we need more of and have way too it's, little. I effort. think
0: it's also, just sorry to interrupt, and, and then I'll stop talking. But uh, th- it's not just that I work too hard and have too much going on and everything. It's 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 that I feel like the universe we live in, the society and the world we live in today is designed to not allow you to be still. And it, yes. it's you're at war with that.
1: Yes. No, 100%. Although... That, that's what I thought. And then as I was sort of researching the book and, and looking at it, it's also this is a perennial problem of the human experience. I mean, in like 1500, Pascal says like all of man's problems stem from his inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So that was a little easier to do before Twitter or Facebook or, you know, email or the fact that you could hop on a plane to New York City right now for like $150, right? Like that's, that's That Those things certainly exacerbate the problem, but clearly it's always existed and it's always been really hard. And what I thought, I think when we think of that idea of stillness, we primarily think Eastern. And so like you're saying, people are like, oh, you should meditate. You have to be one with the universe. So we hear that as a solution, but we sort of turn away from it because it's very unrealistic.
0: Unrealistic in what way?
1: Well, you have a deadline you yeah, have yeah, to meet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you do you do exist in the actual like there is this in in eastern philosophies there is this sense that it's like detached from the world, like turn away from the world, just turn inward, that's all that matters, you know? And you have, we all have mortgages and jobs and things. So I tried to think about this idea of stillness, not not just from that perspective, but also see where does this occur in Western philosophy because it's also a big theme in Christianity and in Stoicism and even in Epicureanism. This idea of like slowing things down, finding some peace, being calm, being really focused, being really deliberate, not living a chaotic life. It, it's not just from Buddha, you know, it's from across the spectrum.
0: And so was there a period in time in history where people did do this more? Or was it always, has it always been like, you know, back in the 1500s, people were like, I gotta go, I gotta go clean up the cow poop out yeah. there. And then I got to milk the cow. And then I've got to deal with my 17 children when I just lost a blight. And, you know, it's like, yes, or it, it, I, I guess the question is, has technology it, may, it has made it harder, but yes. but was there a point in time when people were able to do it and actually did?
1: Well, so I opened the book with the story of Seneca and in one of his letters, he's basically like, he's sitting down and he's trying to write and he just starts like cataloging all the noise that he hears. Like there's a guy getting arrested down below. You can hear like vendors shouting. It basically sounds like one of those you know, summer afternoons in New York City where you have to open the window because it's so fucking hot in your apartment. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, but then there's the jackhammers and the car horns, and you're just like, this is not, you're like, this is not healthy, and how can any human being work in this environment? And Seneca's just sort of talking about, like, how you you we have to be able to cultivate some sort of inner stillness because the world is outside of our control. It's always going to be like this. And again, he didn't have to deal with car horns. So I think... I think what you find is in the ancient traditions that, like, they were much more deliberate, much more conscious about this, and they were really working at it then, even though now we might think that that, that kind of life is just naturally still and quiet, and that you, good work just comes to you because you lived in Athens.
0: So before you started writing this book, were you going, were you— being still or were you kind of in the rat race like all of us i mean i'm i was in the rat race and i still am in the rat race i feel
1: i i I feel like it's i know all my personal happiness and all my best work comes from that place and yet i'm just sort of disappointed in how rarely it actually occurs so I, i wanted to sort of like how do you how does one be a little bit more deliberate how do you cultivate this how do you access it because um it's what we need. And then I think not just like you and I, like it's terrifying to me that like the people we rely on to make really important decisions, whether it's in business or in government are, you know, are sitting in their office and they have like Fox news just running quietly in the back. Like how can anyone focus or think big picture when they're scrolling through their
0: Twitter feed? Well, it's interesting. I've been, I've been kind of in, in a war with my devices. So I, I used to, I remember this point in time when I was so happy that I had iMessages on everything on my iPad, on my yeah. phone, on my computer. And I've since completely deleted them. Yes. It's, I no longer have, uh, allow updates on my computer. I no longer uh, have notifications turned on on my phone, except for iMessages from certain people. Like I've, and I find my, and it's still incredibly difficult. Yes. Um, I had this. This moment I remember a couple of years ago when I got, or a year ago, when I got a message from someone that popped up on my on my phone. And I, you know when you accidentally open your phone, but you yeah. don't know, but then you go back to the home screen, you're like, well, where's the message? Yeah. And I spent like 20 minutes trying to find which app the message came from. Yes. And then it turned out it was like some like, I don't know, signal or something. It yeah. was like a, a, it was spam or something. I don't yes. even know what it was. But I was like, this is insane that I have these many communications, have you, How have you? Ch- how have you changed the way that you interact with technology? A, a bunch of a bunch of ways. So I do.
1: I don't really have any social media on my phone. Do you? Um, do you use social media at all? Or? I, I do, but I try to do it on my computer. So I have like Instagram on my wife's phone because you can't really use Instagram on. You can't actually use it on the desktop. So I use
0: it on my wife's phone. So like, so I can, you're, you're going to throw her under the bus for your uh, stillness requests? <laughs> yeah.
1: So no, it's like if I want to post a photo, I, ha- I, can't just, I can't just pull. I have to sort of save it up and do it in a batch, you know? And I can't just be mindlessly, like if I post a photo, I'm not in a position to see how many likes it got every eight seconds. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like creating some distance there. And then also people can't get in touch with me through it that's like so my I have a couple rules so I go like emails for work texts are for friends so I try not to do any business on texts so that way like when I am checking texts it's not stressful it's for fun and then uh the thing I started doing is I I only I I started with 10 minutes and I've worked my way up for an hour I don't and now many more than that, but I don't check my phone in the morning. So like, what do you mean? You start, how does that work? So like what so I you wake up. So the first thing was I, I will not, I don't sleep with the phone in my room. Where do you put it? In the kitchen. Okay. Um, do you check it charges. before you go to bed? Yeah, whatever. Like, so let's say I go to bed at 10 and then I wake up at six. I haven't checked it for eight hours. And then do you, how long? But before? I don't check it. When, so let's say I wake up at six. I go like okay. I woke up at six. That means I can't touch my phone. I started. I was like, can't touch it till six ten, huh. and then I pushed it to six thirty, and then now I can very easily do an hour. Sometimes it'll. I'll be like, oh, it's it's lunchtime, and I'm touching my phone for the first time.
0: And do you feel that you are missing out on anything? I'm. I
1: not only don't feel that I'm missing out because I will go to my computer. Like at some point, I'm writing and maybe you know I'm seeing my email. But I don't have like you. I don't. You can't iMessage me on my on my computer. Um, and, uh, but what I found that it's done is it's reduced my overall dependence on the phone. Like, because I'm not, I'm not starting the day with it. It's not like a companion through the day. It's just a less significant
0: figure in my life overall. And do you, uh, do you work from home or do you, I I have an office, but I also work from home. So when you're, Going through this kind of process of, of almost not divorcing, but separating yeah. from your devices, what changes in your life? Like what is the thing that you have – is there – do you read more books? Do you play with your kids more? Do you, you know, go and, and pick up the cow poop outside? Like what is it that you do? I, I do I do find that it it increases the time or
1: space to just like sit there while your kid plays with trains. And like so you're doing that,
0: right? You're not like – I'm on my phone while you're playing with trains. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I have a friend who uh, who used to do this, and his wife gave him a really hard time. He was like, "You've got to stop being on your phone." He's like, "I'm never on my phone. Like, I check it once in a while, but I'm not like sitting there on it." So she woke up one morning as he got up with the kid, and she like literally filmed him for like ten minutes uh, from like this, and showed it to him, and he he literally was like, "Oh my god, this! I have a problem." And he since then has gone through the same thing you have, but where? But I the thing that I struggle with is I have this anxiety of like, Oh, what if there's an important email waiting for me or what if there's some breaking news that I have to like know about? Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? I I have the same anxiety, but it's
1: never once proven to be true. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Like I, there really, there really isn't anything that I've ever missed. And, um, whenever I'm late, to responding to email. Like I I get this, like sometimes, you know, you get random emails from people. I try to, uh, like I basically star them in a folder in my email and then I, I don't get to them till later. And it occurred to me like after doing this for a while. So I like, I might reply to an email like three months late. Like someone's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about quitting my job. What do you think? And I'll I'll probably like, I don't think you should do that. I'll reply. And they're like, Oh wow. I never thought you would reply. Thank you so much. (laughs) And it was like, I was feeling bad that I waited three months yeah, yeah. and they're like grateful that they got it at all. It's like, I probably could have waited a year. Like, so the, the pressure to reply
0: is not from them. It's in my head. So you, you in the book, you look at a lot of kind of the, the scientific aspect of all this and the thinking of, you know, Zen Buddhism and this, that, and the other talk us through. like So what, what happens? What is the idea of sitting still actually do to us? You know, it, it's
1: interesting. I tried, I think when people hear the word stillness, they think meditation. Yeah, and I don't meditate. I really don't. But you like talk it. about people in the book that do. Not really. I mean, I mostly am talking about. I I, I tried at least in the book to be like. I mostly want to talk about ways to get stillness that do not does not require asking people to do a thing that like they've pretty overwhelmingly told us they're not going to do. Got do it. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like. It, it it's like uh, look, it's probably better for your personal finances to keep a budget, but nobody keeps a budget. You know, like tried, it didn't work out. Yeah, and so I f- kind of feel like meditation is like in a similar bucket. Like I'm sure it's great, but like, so so I'm 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 like okay, why don't we start by just like limiting the inputs that we have in our life? Why don't we start by you know, like strengthening relationships in our life. why don't we go for walks more often? Like why don't we do why don't we why don't we try to do a bunch of the things that don't require us to meditate that give us eighty percent of the benefits of meditating and and then maybe we'll we'll be in a place where it's possible to sit. because I think it is interesting like if you're one of these people who's like convinced that like your worth is tied up in your accomplishments, let's say. Or you have some... Uh, isn't,
0: doesn't everyone think that these yeah.
1: days? Or if you have these wounds from your childhood that you haven't gone to therapy and dealt with, right? I imagine you might have a 15 minutes of great meditation,
0: but then you go back out in the world and it's sort of... Well, it, that's that's what happened to me. I, I, I downloaded the Headspace app mm-hmm. and it's great. And I love it and I feel very calm in that moment and then I go inside the house and the kids are screaming and beating each other up and the dog's barking and it's, it's literally like someone turned the volume down for 10 minutes and then they turned it right back up again. Yeah. And it's certainly great to turn the volume down for those 10 minutes. I mean, I don't think there's any
1: harm in doing it, but like I think most, a lot of the times like it, it's, it's, uh, we're the problem. You know, like it's like whatever's roiling up inside of us is why we don't have any stillness. And so I'm not sure you can just.
0: uh... Do you um, do you think that as we kind of look forward with technologies? So we created the notification. Right. And it started. It's almost like a cattle prodder. Right. Mm -hmm. Bright red in your face. Like, hey, look at me. Look at me. Here's a message that doesn't mean apps that means nothing to you. And, And then every app. Was able to send you a notification, and then the the technological response to that was that um, uh, you could turn off your notifications one yes. by one. Then you could turn them off. Then you could turn on the screen saving time, where it says, "Hey, you've been on social media for seventeen hours a day. Maybe you should yeah. take a break." What do you, do you think that the only solution to these problems is to come up with more technological solutions for most people? I mean, you yeah. look. I, I think it's amazing that you don't check your phone. For the first hour you wake up, I I have a really hard time not doing that. I, yeah, I don't. I don't check it in the middle of night. I learned not to do that. Yeah, it's in airplane mode. I will never take it out of airplane mode. So you mode. can't get an emergency call in the no. middle.
1: Do you have a landline? No.
0: So if that someone dies, dies that I make won't. Me, yeah, that I would make me. That, So you can get an emergency call in the middle of the night.
1: No, I, I, I like, I've also just tried to like build a life where I just like nobody
0: calls me. Like I just, <laughs> I, just I just don't. No, I don't had do this moment. Calls, um, it was, it was a while ago. It was a few years ago when I was working at the Times, and I remember I used to keep my phone. I went through this phase where at first I would, I kept it next to my bed. On and so, yeah. if someone texted me, I would wake up and see it. And then did I was you get in like, oh. a. Does your phone make a sound when you get a? Text? It did. It used yeah. to. Right. This is back, you know, five years ago. And then I've, I put it on silent. And then, like, I would there would be times, you know, just anxious. I would wake up and I would look at my phone and I would read my emails. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself one night, I got an email that was like a terrible email with someone like saying something. Terrible at something yeah. I'd written or whatever. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm you know I'm gonna have to deal with this in the morning with my editor." And then the next night, I got another email, and it was like a it was a good email, and I was so excited. And in both instances, in the negative one and the positive one, I couldn't fall back asleep, and yeah, I was true. thinking to myself, "Like, there is not a scenario in on planet Earth where it will help me sleep by looking at my emails, sure. whether it's a good one or a bad one." And since then, I stopped doing that, uh, and gradually, I've kind of eventually got to the point where it goes into airplane mode and if someone dies then i'll find out in the morning yeah but you what know, if it's one of those emergency things like uh tornadoes coming or it's an earthquake wouldn't you want to get i will that? feel the earthquake that's true and I don't think we get tornadoes in in los angeles yet okay what but one of those uh <laughs> a, a tsunami is coming a tsunami is coming luckily i'm a little bit further inland okay um i can't think of any others but you know look yeah. there's a fire there's a, there's a alien invasion yeah. um now i'm going to think about taking my phone out of airplane no but i think that what i find so fascinating is that is that we develop technologies and then we and we rely on the technologies to find a solution yes. you know we develop, really should just use the technology glass yes, yes like of course. um or yeah and i and i just i'm curious if you think that how this is going to play out in the future like i've been i read a book uh last week about how The we are going to meld with machines. Like Mm -hmm. essentially the the next era of all this stuff is like us becoming somewhat cyborgian. Right. And, and part of me, I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll be able to speak Japanese and probably like Kung Fu fight and stuff like that. But what happens if I like want to go into airplane mode? Like how will that work? And I'm just curious, like in the interim before we become cyborgs, uh, of course, is it, is this a human problem or a technological problem? Uh, I don't
1: know. I mean, I, I don't really know, but I, I do. I do think the solution is probably willpower. It, if willpower is what is the issue, the it, the solution has got to be willpower. It's not technology that compensates for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't. I just don't think the the phone. If the phone is causing the problem, how can the phone be the solution to the problem? I just you know, and, and I think that's true for all, all the things like, like, uh, what's, and you, I think you maybe even wrote about, there's that new email software that you have to pay for that. Everyone's very excited about. You what's know, that? Man, I don't know. It's some like, uh, I, I should, uh the maybe. one
0: that, that, that like tells you that helps organize your inbox and tells you what's important and what's not. Yeah. yeah like, You're those. They're garbage.
1: Yeah. But, but like the solution is just to like, use your email list. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election. Guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How is your social battery right now? Is it bursting with energy or drained? How do you recharge it? Have you ever reflected on those questions? Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Hive today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Hive. So so here's a question. We are living in a time, and you and I have spoken about this before, your, your last book, um, Conspiracy, was of course about Peter Thiel and the media and this, that, and the other. And we're living in this era where we have this constant anxiety around mass shootings what donald trump said this week china all these things and one of the things that i think has been pretty amazing with technology is our ability to get access to the news instantly Mm -hmm. which is also comes with a number of downsides do you how is your media habit and how do you kind of what do you recommend for people to do in those
1: instances so i had this moment so my my (laughs) the election of Donald Trump sent my wife into labor. Hmm. so my son was born like the next day. We w- we went to bed thinking like, oh, this is maybe we're going to eke this thing out, <laughs> you know? And then she woke up at like three in the morning and was watching the news. And then she woke me up and she's like, this is not good. And I think I need to go to the hospital. And so he was born the next day. And, and I remember I was reading an article, like, you know, she, after you have a kid, you're kind of just sitting there as you don't really have anything to do. And they bring the baby in and out. And anyways, I was reading some article it was somebody who I would listened to, and by the way, I was totally wrong because I didn't think he was going to win, but I was reading some article from someone who I'd read the week before telling me how this was never going to happen, who was turning around to tell me exactly what the election of Donald Trump meant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, yeah. It was just like, it was this very, I just had like this moment, I was like, why the fuck am I listening to this person?
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? yeah. Like, yeah.
1: like uh, why am I listening to someone's opinion who was so clearly just... Very wrong about this major thing, and I just said, like I'm going to start consuming way less news. and so, um my, a couple things I do like I don't watch any television news the The only television news I watch is sometimes we watch the local news uh, at wow. home. Uh, that's impressive because and and actually, I find this is almost harder to do than to be not on your phone like because like when I travel a lot, And I was doing... Do you know that CNN pays airports to play CNN? Does not surprise me. And it's like even a special edition of CNN. Like, they don't run, like, uh, really particularly violent stories. And they never show anything about, like, anything (laughs) airline-related. Airline-related. And definitely not crashes. But, like, I... It's like sometimes when you remove something from your your diet, whether it's media or food, you realize just like how dependent you were on it. Like when I'm, and I'll tell you a social media one after this, but it it was like being away from it. And then when I can see that I can't even sit in a chair at the airport facing the direction of a TV, even if I'm doing something because like it manages, I have to like put my, like, so I have to actually work to avoid it in my life. If I'm sitting in a restaurant, I have to find somewhere where I don't watch the news. Um, the other revealing one for me is like at the beginning of this year, I have this thing called Daily Stoic, and we do these challenges, and we did a challenge where it was like you have to quit one habit, and so I was like I'm going to quit Facebook, um, and so I quit Facebook, except because ironically because of the community have we have this like Facebook group for Daily Stoic, so I was like I can't quit this because like people paid to be in it, so I was like I have to find some way to, basically I I just changed the password on my Facebook account and gave it to an assistant. And then I created a new Facebook account with no friends and no likes. That's only in this one group. So it's like more like a message board than Facebook, right? Yeah. But this is like a a new account on a new email address in which I've entered almost no personal information. And Facebook is like, do you want to be friends with Steve, the
0: kid you grew up with? Like, do Oh, you, completely. Like- no, Facebook is terrifying i created a i was doing some research and i created an instagram account on a completely different phone yes with a completely made up email address and there was literally no way that they could have known it was me it was a burner phone yeah and they knew it was me yeah and they started recommending my wife and other people and it's like it's terrifying
1: yeah like it recommended that I. A- Yesterday, it recommended that I be friends with my book agent. Like, that is, like a, that is a very, that's not like my parents. That's yeah, like a, yeah. that's a pretty, like. You should be friends in, with your book agent. I well, mean. I don't want any friends with <laughs> him. And I am, I'm friends with him in real life. But but anyways, it was like, oh, like you just real, like, like this, like someone uh, was telling me when I moved to Austin, they're like, you're going to eat a lot of queso, right? Like, they put it on everything in Austin. They're like, if you want to stop eating queso, make queso one time. And you'll see what's in it, and you will never put this in your body. It's because huh. it's like all oil. It's yeah, like two yeah. cups of oil, Ugh. Uh, and and so it was like it was actually very helpful to just to did you see make how the trend- queso? I did make it, and I was and, like, I will never eat queso this. again. Yeah, uh, and 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 so seeing it was like just the extent of the manipulation and the surveillance. It was like this cannot be a healthy
0: thing to participate in, and so I, I, I mean, I haven't used Facebook since January. So. He- let me ask you a question. So I'm going to ask you to come into my life and my house and, uh, and help me okay. make my life l- more still. Got it. Uh, um, you're in charge. Okay. Do you watch a lot of news? I don't watch a lot, but I, f- I fucking read so much news. It's awful.
1: So for me, when I switched from like television news, I just watch sports. Like I I don't really care that much about I sports. I don't know like inter- about it, sports. Because it's just as much trivia and it has as little impact on my actual life as the news does, right? And so like if I'm going to have the TV on, I'm going to be watching sports. I'm not going to watch news. I'm not going to watch The Daily Show. I'm not going to watch... Real time with Bill Maher. I'm not going to watch anything that, require, that, that is deliberately around and inf- getting me to have an opinion about things. Do you think that that's... Is that good for me or bad for me? I think it's very... To consume those things to, or consume to not less. consume them. I think it's very much good for you. And then I would, and then you go, oh, but I have to participate. I have to be informed. Yeah, would that's go, what like, I was about to say. Let's read books about history. Like, let's... Even... It's like, how about you don't watch CNN, but you read the, the Bob Woodward book? It's, it's not quite history... But it's at least it's at least real journalism, and it, it, you're at least not consuming it in real time. So you have some distance from it. Things have somewhat shaken themselves out. I think the problem is we consume way too much information in real time, and yeah. we and real time information is incorrect information most of the time by definition, usually. And you almost never make real time action.
0: Okay, so let me answer your question. So it's it's uh, it's the end of the day. Yes. Uh, put the kids down. I'm like so tired. Can barely even think and for some reason i end up like scrolling through dumb social media yeah because i it's almost like i my brain can't actually your willpower i think is lessened as you. yeah it's well it's also like i need i can't just sit there maybe maybe i should maybe you're going to tell me as my therapist (laughs) now my stillness therapist that i should sit there but i have this kind of this moment where i'm like well what should i do with the next hour and sometimes i try to read a book and and you're fried it, but I'm fried and yeah. I can't concentrate, uh, and I read the same page four times over. What do I do with my time? I like.
1: Uh, I'm partial to Law and Order reruns. I've, so you watch I've, TV. I made my way back through The Office. You know, I watch. I watch things that I don't come out of the other side less happy as a human being. Mm. But what I would say is, so the end of the day is important. But like, I'd say, like, how do we how do we think about the beginning of the day so we can. Even so, if we do slum it at the end of the day, we've, we've done what we want to do and we've, we've, we've had some of that still. So, so, go ahead.
0: okay. So my, that was my next okay. question is, is uh, I have this urge constantly to check my email. Yes. I, it's, I hate it sure. and I try not to, but like if I'm writing, um, I don't procrastinate a lot. I'm You're actually switching over tabs. I, 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 yeah, I really, I'm really good at not procrastinating. Yeah get a tremendous amount done during the day from the minute I wake up, um, until that time that I have an hour left of the day and can't concentrate anymore. Yeah. But, but there, there are these, uh, like fly by moments where I quickly pop pop yep. over to my email and quickly pop over to my email, quickly pop over what, what, what's going on there? Um, and how do I, stop I mean, it? I definitely have that too.
1: And I, I would say it's probably it's, it's objectively, we know it's not good. We know that we're not the studies show we're not good at switching between tasks, even though we think that we are. Um, so I, I try to limit it. I try I try to just not have the tab open. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I don't have the tab open, I can't switch to it. Uh, I want to have maybe the phone is face down, the phone is in the other room. But my here's, here's how I do it. So when I wake up, I wake up early. Uh, I try to wake up before my kids, but... They wake up so early, sometimes you can't beat them. Yep. Uh, and so what I do is I take, because um, we still have a newborn who's, who sleeps a little bit later, but for the last two years, I've, I take my son on a, a walk in the morning. And oh. na- now oh. I don't take my phone. Wow. So, so, so the, what, what, where do you go? Do you just walk? We just walk outside. Like, uh, he, goes, he sits in the stroller. Sometimes I do the backpack, but mostly the stroller. And uh, we'll do between like two and three miles. And so, you don't
0: have a phone with you? Don't have a Does phone. Does
1: that give you. you any anxiety? No, not really. I mean, I'm only two miles from my house. So, I'll, you know, uh, so we walk, we watch the sun come up, we talk, he sings songs, you know, we look at deer that we see or rabbits, you know, we're just outside. And then by the time I come home, I found it's interesting on days when I don't take him for the walk. Not only do I miss it, but I find he's crazier. Hmm. Like I somehow it's the experience is calming for him as I can. Of course, it's nature. It's, you and know, it's just the routine is, of it. Yeah. And then so I do that. Then we cook breakfast. I let him watch TV in the morning. I don't really care. Uh, I'm not like a no-screen parent kind of person. Um, we make breakfast. And then the next thing I do is I, I write in a journal. Like, I want to spend some time. Like, I, I sort of warm up to writing. And then, then I write. So, like, by by 8, 8.30, I'm usually in into the writing. And if I can go to, like, 11, 11.30... Like I, I the
0: days of success, then I can. Then you can check it, and you don't feel like you've missed anything. You can check it. I don't feel like I
1: missed it. Maybe I maybe I glanced at the email a couple times to make sure there's no emergencies, but I'm not checking the phone. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to get to inbox zero in the morning. I'm trying mostly to get as deep into the writing as quickly as possible.
0: You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. And if you are watching this video. So your book is split up into three sections mind body and soul what are first of all why 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 pick those things but second of all what were some of the things that you discovered that were kind of eye-opening as you do i know you go deep in your research and yeah. like you do a lot of reading about history and whatnot talk us through some of that well i i just think there are different kinds of stillness
1: so there are there, there are people who might you know live a very quiet still life you know they they it's very disciplined but they're you know emotionally sort of in turmoil all the time or there there's someone like tiger woods who clearly has this sort of mental discipline in the game of golf but like spiritually and emotionally like it must have been horrible like tick not han his thing is like uh, on the ocean and the surface of the ocean there's stillness but underneath it there is there are currents mm. i think that like yeah so i think just this idea that like oh you know clear mind is like that's not going to get you where you need to go you have to attack this thing from a bunch of angles And, and then ironically, I do find active things like walking or running, or I find swimming to be a deeply meditative experience. So there, what do you do in the real world? What are the habits that you build in the real world? My, I mean, my favorite part of writing the book, I I did a a big thing on Winston Churchill, like Churchill wrote a book about painting. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was saying that like the, the most important thing that a powerful person can do is, um. Is cultivate a, a few hobbies, and then he was like the ho- the hobbies are what creates the balance. And the 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 Romans talked about you know the power of leisure, not leisure as in laying around, but leisure as in like what
0: do you pursue in your off time. One of the I just uh, read this book. It's probably piled up over here somewhere, but um, I've read a bunch of books lately by Alan Lightman who's this MIT professor, and um, he, he's a scientist, and a, he, he's in the humanities department. And he's written, I think, maybe 12, 13 books. And I think like six of them are all about the idea of creativity and stillness mm-hmm. uh, and the importance of uh, the best way to be creative is not to just go and you know draw and sketch and, and try to make a music album or write a book, but is to sit and do nothing. Sure. Uh, and that the and that your brain kind of almost like a snow globe settles and uh, and the results of course speak for themselves yeah I mean I
1: so like in the morning that's my routine and then in the afternoon I run or I swim I tend to find that like just popping into my head are solutions to whatever like creative problems I was having in the writing like oh that's what that chapter should be titled or like
0: oh that's yeah. I, I, this is the story that I should tell in that chapter. Hmm. Aaron Sorkin takes, uh, I think, like six to eight showers a day when he gets stuck. Really? Yeah, he just literally is like because it's. I think there's this whole thing on like this whole Zen theory about you know about certain people hitting enlightenment in yeah. like those moments, sure. like on the toilet yeah. or showering, and it's and it's it's this there's something about the stillness of that moment that that I brings think that on. I think I think that's part of it. I also think like
1: rituals and routines are important. So like. Um, you know, like Robert Caro dresses in a suit and he goes to work. I don't do that, but like, I have trouble writing well and feeling like I'm, I'm doing it right if I don't shower and shave. Hmm. Like I just need the cleanness of it. Um, I can, I can do it. Like I can gut
0: it out or if it's busy,
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? If but it's But no, busy, you need that,
0: but that ritual is important. But I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were saying Robert Caro, was, was he the guy who used to wear a suit to his home office? That, uh, I think he has an office in New York City. but, but, he- but there was I've somebody, I some famous, famous writer who would literally wake up every morning and like go through this whole ritual of like a piece of toast, half buttered, half jam, blah yeah. blah 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 blah. Puts on a suit, walks out to the lawn, comes into his office, oh, works amazing. all day, and then heads back. I've always admired that because it's like it puts you in a mindset. I, I remember actually, I was when I wrote the Twitter book, I. Was having a really hard time jumping from Twitter to New York Times columns and reporting yes. and things like that. And I, I would be writing, might write in one style and had to switch to another because the book was very narrative nonfiction. And the Times, of course, you have to write in the yeah. Times style. And and um, and I remember I was I was having such a hard time. I called up a uh, a neuroscientist, I think at, at Stanford, and I was like, "What do I do?" And uh, and he told me that if you That your setting and the scent and the chair and all these things all contribute to how your mind places things and how you work. And his suggestion was if you live in a a house with more than one place to sit at a computer, uh, he said, put a scented can two different scented candles, like one in one room, one another, two different kinds of chairs, one with a cushion, one without uh, even like change your shirt or something. And that your brain can say, oh, I'm in this setting and I'm in that setting. Yeah, the poet Rilke had, like, two pens and two different kinds
1: of paper on his desk. And, like, one was for poems and the other was for letters. And, like, uh, I like that. And there's, like, a – there's a kind of – there's this group of monks. They do, like – and someone sent me – it's, like, this incense you rub on your hands and then sniff before you – Pray or meditate so I, I i love I love those things, and look, I think sports where that the performance is like the most measurable and the pressure is the highest, I don't think it's a coincidence that they have uh they are very routine and ritual based and there's actually this baseball player I talk about it a little bit in the book there's this baseball player I'm forgetting his name, but it's, after he it's, played it's uh I have it right here. Oh, Sada Haruo? Oh. Yeah, Sada Haruo. He's, he's amazing, and definitely uh, people should know more about him. That's not who I was going to say. But okay. Sada Haruo oh was the greatest home run hitter of all time, better than Babe Ruth. He hit like 1,000 home runs, but he played in Japan, not in America. But um, this baseball player, after he played, he played for a couple of years, and then he went back to... College and he got his PhD in psychology, and so he was fascinated with routines and rituals. And he wrote this paper on the power of of, of ritual in, in sports and in life. And he was he, he was looking at some tribe, some ocean tribe, and they would find that there was more. So, like, if uh, we can think, there's a vast difference between fishing in a lagoon uh, and fishing in the open in the open ocean. In a lagoon, it's primarily a matter of skill. Because like the fish are there and they can't go anywhere. So it's like, how good are you at catching them? And then in the ocean, it's like, you don't know where the fish are. So it's, it's much more like, did you go to the right spot on the right day at the right time? Right? So there's yeah. like you can go out, fish all day in the ocean, come back with nothing. It's not your fault. You fish all day in the lagoon, you're probably not doing something right. right? And so anyways, they were finding that um, these tribes tended to have more superstitions and rituals about fishing where luck was more at play than where it wasn't do you know what I mean mm-hmm. because like we're we're just trying to find some way to like get comfortable with the uncertainty of it and to you know predispose the gods in our favor or whatever and so the idea is that sports and life are so uncertain you know you sit down at the computer you don't really control whether it's going to be a good writing day or not and that some of these rituals are just a way to sort of calm that you know animal part of your brain that just like
0: can't handle the uncertainty do you, um, has your relationships changed with like your wife, your kids? I mean, you said you go for walks yeah. with your kid, but has, has this new uh, control of the inputs changed those? I
1: think so. I mean, I think on the practical level gives you more time. I mean, I think where I hope it's manifesting itself is like, um, my, my anxiety can sort of uh, manifest itself in like a desire to control, right? So it's like, um, okay, we got to be at the airport. I don't want to miss the flight, so like let's leave early. And then if I'm very stressed and mean, it will somehow like help us get there. You know, what, like you know how people get yeah, when yeah, they of have course. to go. Yeah, yeah. And and get in and, the fucking car. <laughs> right. Right. have right. uh, yeah, Brian Koppelman said that his told me his family. There's like airport Brian.
0: Oh, there's airport Brian. That's yeah. amazing.
1: Uh, and I was like, I there's remember her airport I like, Nick. I was like, I don't want to have an airport Ryan. There definitely is one, but I definitely don't want to be. But just the idea of going like, I. Even even the last couple of days, I've been running around like crazy all over LA doing stuff. And it's like, can I just be like, this is, this is the day? Like the day is I have to be here, then I have to be here, do you, then I have so to when be you're, here.
0: So when you're running around like crazy, do you, do you like go back to your hotel and just sit there? Do you, do you have a moment where you kind of re- recreate this like stillness?
1: Well, so what I used to do is I would go like, okay, so I have, these are the three things that I have to do, the three interviews I have to do or the three meetings I have to go to. And I'd be like, and I still have to do all of the normal stuff that I would do in a day. So I would, I basically, instead of being like, today is a lost day because I have to do these three things, I'm just going to do it. I agreed to it. I signed up for it. It is what it is. Instead, I would add this extra pressure on myself. It's like, and then I got to squeeze in emails between these two things. And then I got to try to find a way to meet this person. And then I got to do this. You know what I mean? Like I would, I couldn't just go like, this is it. Like I couldn't accept that the day was not in my control. I had to like somehow get it to my normal level of productivity despite all these massive inconveniences. And I would... I was I guess I just didn't have a problem. It's like something there has to be a cost there somewhere and I was like the relationships are where the cost is. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm. don't have time to be nice, don't have time to be polite. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like completely. Like, uh, like or I'd be like, well, I can't be stressed at the meeting, but I the stress has to go somewhere. So like let's like dump steam. it in the safe space, in yeah. the safest place. And so I I I think I've got I in part I think To me, one of the manifestations of the stillness would be the ability to let go a little bit and Mm. be not in control and just being cool taking it as it goes.
0: When you look at the... You have kids. How many kids do you have? Two. Two kids. And we live in a time right now where there's climate change that's happening. Uh, You mentioned tornadoes before in LA. We haven't had them yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, You get to Texas. uh, You'll probably have tidal waves in Texas at some point. Um, If things continue down the path, you've got Donald Trump in the White House, uh, you know, driving division. Racism. You've got mass shootings. You've got all these things that are uh, coming at you and us. And we. And I feel partially like one thing I find really fascinating is I rag on social media all the time and how much of a waste of time it is and how annoying it is and how there's always an earthquake and sometimes it's an important one and sometimes it's them just you know going after someone that said something by accident or whatever. But at the same time. Like, here's an example. This week, um, uh, there was a really dumb headline in the New York Times, uh, uh, on the front page of the New York Times, and there was an uproar in social media, and the Times changed the headline on the front page, and Dean Baquet, uh, the editor-in-chief, came out and did an interview and apologized, and there's a whole thing they're going to change now about reviewing the headline, and there was an impact. You know, you can see with the response to uh, the, the mass shootings that Trump— uh, came out and he gave a, you know, a pathetic speech, but it was a speech nonetheless that was, uh, that didn't blame both sides, even though he did it later. Yeah. But, um, uh, but, th- but the the reason I bring this all up is because having a level of engagement, uh, what, even if we, even if it gives us some sort of anxiety, yeah, um, is important. Sure. It's our civil duty. Mm-hmm. So how do you find the balance with that?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. So I did this thing, uh, Couple months ago, where I read like the front page of the New York Times, like on my birthday, and, like the, the day I was born, and then like ten years, I just went back and I was looking at it, and then uh, it was very calming <laughs> because it was like it's never been good. Like there's never it's never like a wonderful headline. Like it's never a wonderful if front it bleeds page. It leads. the leads. It's just always the world is always falling apart, and it always looks really bad. I'm reading this book right now about like the. Um, the passage of the 19th amendment, like mm-hmm. it's called like the finest hour, the women's hour about like giving women the right to vote. Like I literally, we talk about division. Like I knew it was hard to get women the right to vote because I just thought like men didn't want to give women the right to vote. I didn't know there was like a very engaged, they called them antis, but there was a very engaged, almost majority of women who did not want to give other women the right to vote. Like hmm. there, like, there. are th- it was, that doesn't seem like a content, I thought that was a men versus women issue. It was like, no, it was like men versus some women, some women versus men, uh, mostly men, women versus women. Like, it was insane. Uh, just reading, like you're reading this thing and you're like, oh man, like this idea that that history has ever been peaceful or nice or that things have ever been going well is insane. And, and I think my reading from history helps me calm down. Like I was reading a book about Henry Clay. Henry like we think Trump is like violating all these norms. Like Henry Clay was elected senator and sat as a senator. I think it's Henry Clay even though he was objectively too young to be a senator. Like you have to be a certain age. Yeah. And he was like like let's say it's 30 and he was like 28 and he's like no, I'm still going to do it and people did it. Like so we have this idea that like the rules used to work and now they're not working. And I'm not saying they're not wor- they're they they are working now or that they're not working worse. What I'm saying is that it helps turn down the volume just enough. Not that I don't think about it, but that I don't get as easily riled up as like, let's say Twitter wants you to get. Mm-hmm. And I did this piece a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about, when you really look at most of these, most of the people who have been able to affect really big change, um, anger is not the primary way you would describe them. They have a sort of a deeper mission or understanding or, sort of outlook, like Lincoln was probably the least angry person about slavery, but was the one that got, not not that he wasn't profoundly bothered by slavery, and that it wasn't a driving, ending it wasn't a driving force in his life, but he did not wake up every day outraged that slavery existed. Mm -hmm. He woke up thinking that it was it was wrong, and it needed to be stopped, but that there was something that could be done about it. So I think, I guess what I'm saying is, and I talk a lot about anger in the book, we have wrongly internalized, uh, or been sold this idea that like, anger is the force through which political change is driven. And that's, most people, if you ask them how they feel about things, they say anger. And I would, I would think, I would argue that's probably why things are so gridlocked
0: well that's it's interesting that you said because i was on social media yesterday uh doing some research and um and i i my social media time has dropped dramatically uh, especially twitter but i was on i was on twitter looking something up um for for a project i'm working on and and i saw a kellyanne conway tweet and it was in refer it was referring to the to the mass shootings and she was tweeting that the uh, one of the shooters um, had re- had 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 some left leaning social media posts. Yeah, mm. she hadn't tweeted about the guy who had the right leaning pro Trump sure. social media posts. Yeah. But and it it made my blood boil. Like I literally because it's I, it's actively said in bad faith. Yes, yes, and it just and I, and I sat there and I felt what George Conway probably feels every single night when he goes home to that woman. But I, but it just made, and I, and then I, I was like, I need to do something. I have to do something. What do I do? And then I realized, oh, there's fuck all I can do other than vote. And yeah. I can write articles of course, but like it's, but, but that act of, of, of I think about how blinding that feeling is. Like, you yes. know, it, it
1: consumes you. And so, yeah, what I, I, and I think that's the purpose of it. The
0: do purpose you know I mean? of her I think tweet. That I,
1: I don't, I don't think she just said it because she's dumb. I think, I think there's an entire sort of, maybe it's unspoken, maybe they all get together and coordinate it, but I think there is a right wing idea that like, what we have to do is just rile the libs up and they will, they will defeat themselves. I think and that's true. why they, I think Trump knows this implicitly. I think, I think that's, they go, what can we say on, like, like when I pull up Twitter and cause I do it on the desktop, you know, there's the thing running down the side of the trending the trending topics. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll get, I'll, I'll have a lapse of, of of willpower, and I'll click one, and it'll be like, it'll sometimes it'll be like sports stuff or things you wouldn't think are mad, and then like you know, there's there's the some some funny gifts and then it's like mostly people that I know, in journalism or people whose work in journalism I follow, just like angrily responding or dunking or like, it's, you know, I know like, it's yeah. I think that might be what they do all
0: day because yes. it's
1: like right after it happened.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I have stopped tweeting for the most part, maybe once every three weeks I'll do, I'll, I'll post something. Usually the thing that I can't stop myself is, uh, immigration and kids. Yes. of uh, course That's something horrible. I just, it's the most vile, disgusting thing, uh, Imaginable and, um, but there was a. I've done the same thing with the trending topics. There was a thing yesterday about uh, after the Kellyanne Conway thing. I saw uh, Michael Sarah was was trending, and I was like, "Oh, what's Michael Sarah trending for? Is he dead?" You know, I clicked on it, and the first tweets are like, you know, there's a couple of funny gifs of him from movies and things like that. And then somebody had said, "Why is Michael Sarah trending?" And someone else had replied, "Oh, no one knows, but people." saw him like trending on a local level and they decided to make it a national thing. So people start to, and then next thing you know, it's Michael Sarah in relation to Donald Trump. And you're like, how the hell did this happen? I just wasted 10 minutes of my life. And yeah. now I'm angry because I saw Kelly on Conway tweet. And what I
1: don't really get about, it's like, look, I don't like sort of clickbaity journalism, um, but I understand people get paid for it. So at least understand, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't get what these people are. I don't get why these people are doing it. Like, you get the followers, but like they're not worth anything. It's not worth it.
0: No. It's totally not worth it in any way, shape, or form. And I've right.
1: friends that do cable news too, and I was like, Oh, you get paid for this? And they're like, No. And I was like, Do you sell books because of it? And they're like, no. no. And I was like and every time I've done it, it's like you have to take a car to a studio and it's remote, and then and then it's like three seconds and you're like, Why did I do this? But like I think at the core of this a lot of it is ego and impotence and
0: Well, so that's a question I have is so you are uh, astutely aware of how the media industry works, better than most people I know, and I feel that it, the 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 media over the last few years has become social mediaified, where it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And and you, you know you talk about the intent by like Kellyanne Conway and Trump to to own the libs, like it's the same CNN, MSNBC, Fox. They all are just kind of trying to wrap you up and 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 get you emotionally hooked and and that's it it's one thing for us to um to be at war with our devices and the technologies and learn to kind of walk away from them but it's a, there's also a responsibility for the technology makers too of course. is there a solution that in the media world that you can foresee or anything that 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 is that helps the consumer so they they're not
1: Yeah, I don't—I mean, you know more about Twitter than I do. I don't get why algorithmically they can't just, like, turn down politics. Like, it feels like it's, like, this dinner party. You know, like, at a dinner party, you can have all these people with different viewpoints. If you're talking about kids or, you know, the town you live, you can talk about anything, it's great. But then if somebody mentions politics—and this is true well before Donald Trump— now, all of a sudden, there's, like, conflict. And so, like, the job of the host is to be, like— yeah, Nick don't you have a book coming out and you know like to change to like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't yeah. like I used to remember people talking about pizza on Twitter and memes and jokes I mean like I feel like and and if you look for it like you, there's great sports Twitter and there's like some meme Twitter but like like why is Instagram so much more pleasant than Twitter well
0: Instagram's more pleasant than Twitter because the because it's a more visual medium but I also think that I don't think that Instagram makes the world any better of a place than Twitter. It doesn't make the world as worse of a place. Yeah, I agree completely. But
1: I just I don't get why algorithmically they
0: they can't they can't do. They things could, about but it. if they did, then you would. You know, I think that the the reason you 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 hate scroll through it. You know, it's, yes. I, but it, but I think the 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 larger problem I have is with the media as a whole where everything is now an opinion piece and sure and um and you know it's squa it's the thing that I find so frustrating and and now has become the thing about everything. It's like I even hate to mention his name, but like Ben Shapiro thinks that like you know, the way you win a fight is you find the like the one little thing you don't understand. The one detail that you missed. Maybe right. it was like the person was twenty two years old, not twenty three. Ah, I gotcha. Yes. You, I win. Right? It's so fucking stupid. Like, and and that's what all of this media coverage is about. With every th- every single thing, it's like some commenter, some pundit arguing a tiny detail that's irrelevant, and that makes them think that they've won. Yeah,
1: and and I mean, look, I think I think where the media has hurt themselves by focusing so much on Twitter is that like. Your entire profession, the entire profession of a writer, is a, it's a long-form profession. Like, it's detail and nuance, and it's, it's entertaining the reader. It's getting them to go from the beginning of the article to the end of the article. Uh, it's, it's understanding that things are complicated, and the story needs to be told. And so to spend, if, if that's what you do as your job, but then you spend 90% of the time you're at work, trying to express yourself in 280 characters you are you are you are not only letting that skill atrophy but you're sort of doing the opposite like like socrates was considered wise because he was like aware of his own ignorance like twitter does not have any room for admissions of ignorance Mm -hmm. or or humility or nuance and so i think we we've these issues are very complex. Like as as horrible as children being put in cages uh, on the southern border are, that doesn't mean the solution to it is like, okay, not doing that is very simple. Like yes. that 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 is morally reprehensible, should not be happening, and anyone that's complicit in it is awful. That being said, the actual solution to the issue at large is quite complicated. Yes, and I nuanced. agree with that completely. And, and so. And we have to have that discussion or debate somewhere. And, and what I think we we not only lack the wisdom and the emotional strength to have that. We don't even literally have the space to do it. Because what in what media? Like the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Uh, I think Daniel Borston talks about this in his book, The Image. He's like, the, the, the Lincoln-Douglas debates. First off, there was like eight of them. They eat like... One got up and talked for two hours, then the other got up for two hours, then they took a break, then everyone went home, and then they came back in the afternoon and they did, like, another four hours. Like, it was, like, insane. Mm-hmm. But that's because the expansion of slavery was a super complex issue, because it was expressly allowed in the Constitution, and and there was the—who had the votes? You know what? It was, like— we had to figure it out and so two smart people with very different views hammered it out for hours in a very eloquent way and by the way like town folk and 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 farm farmers in illinois walked like you know made their way there and they sat like we don't have the space to do any of those things. You go on cable news; they're like, in thirty seconds, tell me why Donald Trump oh, is going to be impeached. It's a long, yeah, a long
0: time when you're yeah. a pundit. Yeah, no, it's completely true. I think, um, I, I think that you know, to bring this back around to the beginning, I think that the it's not just people that could use a little bit of this this stillness. It's like it's all of it. It's everything. Yes, it's businesses. It's it's the media. It's technology. It's you name it. Yeah. Uh, um, so. All right. So, uh, last question, okay. and then we're going to let you go. Do you have, uh, if you had one piece of advice, just one yeah. that I could, I could like take with me as, a, as you after you leave? Yes. What, what is it? What's the one thing that I should do?
1: All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you this. This I think do, I uh, okay. right, so so I this will do. Okay. So I'm reaching into his pocket. I carry this coin with me.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm here, now here, been here, given I a coin. Think, I think
1: I think this will help with your your. Your mindless scrolling and the anger, uh, which is like, uh, if we can remember how little time we actually have on the planet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so Marcus Aurelius' quote, it's on the back of the thing. He says, you can leave life right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. And so this idea that, like, you want to spend your last 20 minutes on Earth, like, mindlessly scrolling this, or that you want to be angry about something that, you know— A hundred years from now, no one will even think about like, to me, it's like, I try to think about this and spend a lot of time on it. And it helps me go like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on my phone. I know I shouldn't be. And then my son's saying like, daddy, daddy, come look at this. And I'm going, Oh, be right there. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to put this down right now. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it, 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 it's, it, it's something I use. And I think philosophically it's been used for a really long time to bring us always back to the present and to turn down the volume on not just the volume on like the noisy things we don't like, but also turn down the volume on like some of the things that we think of as virtues, but like, you know, like wanting to sell more books than other people or wanting to hit the bestseller list, or like, I got to get this amount of money for this book or, you know, like just like our ambitions are wonderful and they help do things and they're, why you know we're both sitting here but at the same time is also the source of a lot of the misery that we also have do you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah completely one thousand percent completely completely agree
1: like he has this line he goes like alexander the great and his mule driver are like buried right next to each other do you <laughs> know what i mean like yeah. the same ground like at the end the end of the road you we all end up in the same fucking place and That should, that's not to say you should be a nihilist, that none of this matters, that you shouldn't try to realize your potential or do things. It's just like, it's not as important. None of this is as important as it feels.
0: Hmm. Well, that's a good piece of closing advice. With that, your 19th book. (laughs) stillness is the key Ryan Holiday thank you so much for taking the time today this has been fantastic I really am actually going to try to try to do all this stuff I'm going to tell me how it goes tomorrow morning I'm going to get up I get up with the kids I'm going to get up oh tomorrow I'm traveling okay (laughs) on Saturday morning okay I'm going to get up with the kids and I'm going to take 10 minutes before I look at my phone okay and I will I will let you know how it goes done thank you so much yeah appreciate it Thanks to my guest today, Ryan Holiday. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Dilton. You can find us on Apple Podcast Radio or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors this week, the wonderful Quip and the New Yorker. Please support them the same way you support this podcast. I'll see you next week.